Well, this morning uh, brings us to the uh, very end of our study through the book of Philemon. Uh, This will be week number eight in Philemon. And this morning, I want to bring your attention, I was talking about this in the midweek email this week, uh, but there is a very revealing and very human moment at the very center point of Paul's letter to Philemon. It comes in verse 9. He says, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. Right there in the middle of this short letter and right at the moment when Paul is about to launch into his big ask on behalf of Onesimus, Paul tells Philemon something that again strikes me as being very revealing about himself. He says, I'm an old man, and I'm a prisoner also. Why does Paul say these things? At first blush, this might feel like a pretty naked attempt to manipulate Philemon. (laughs) After all, what does the fact that Paul is old and in prison have at all to do with this matter concerning Onesimus? Is Paul one of those people, we might even say one of those annoying people, who seek to achieve through pity what perhaps cannot be achieved through argumentation or persuasion? Is he falling back on, I'm old and in prison to get the job done? Is that what's happening here? I don't think so. I think the key to understanding why Paul says what he does in verse 9 is found in verses 7 and 20, where Paul is going to talk about being refreshed. The idea of the church as a place to refresh others and to be refreshed is a major theme of this little book. In verses 7 and 20, which both make mention of being refreshed, these two verses kind of bookend the main body of the letter. He starts and ends the main meat of what he has to communicate with talking about being refreshed. In verse 7, Paul praises Philemon for refreshing the hearts of the saints. Basically, he's saying that Philemon has been like water to their thirsty souls and like rest to their weary bones. That's what Philemon is like to his church family. He's a refreshing man. And then in verse 20, Paul, after talking about Onesimus and the big ask and all of that, after saying he's an old man and in prison, he revisits this word picture when he says, "'Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ.'" So in verse 20, we see that Paul is not shy about the fact that he is not just writing to ask for something for Onesimus, but he wants something, maybe even he needs something himself. He needs something personally from Philemon. Paul's an old man and he's a prisoner, which might be the same as saying that he is bone-tired And that he's being tempted, perhaps, towards feelings of discouragement. Think about Paul sitting in prison in Rome, 
awaiting what would be the day of his execution, eventually, writing to his friend Philemon, this is a man who is being treated unjustly, without sympathy. Error and wrongheadedness surround him. He is constantly being pressed into debate, forced to defend himself, to fight, to make argument. He's tired. He's tired from the fight. And the personal plea that Paul makes to his friend Philemon is all at once vulnerable and genuine and heartfelt. And maybe this is the echo of your own heart this morning as you come here among God's people. Can't it be different here among us? Can't we have something better and easier and more refreshing within the church? Refresh my heart, Philemon. Let me come up for air in your presence. Church, can we be a different, more excellent sort of community than we find in the surrounding culture? Can we be a people governed by sacrificial love and righteousness, a place where we come to be refreshed? When Paul refuses to pick up the stick of his apostolic authority and wield it against Philemon, when he refuses, he takes that off the table and instead says, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. He is saying, I, want, I, I so long for a different sort of community. I want a place that's refreshing, not that's the same old. His words there are echoing passages that God speaks to us. Well, he's, I think God is speaking there through Paul, through the inspired pen of Paul as well. But elsewhere, God says directly, like in Psalm 32, 8, Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it won't stay near you. Don't be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Don't be a people motivated by fear of punishment or compelled by force, but be governed instead by love and a love for righteousness. If Paul made Philemon do what should be done by leveraging his place of authority, that would be essentially no different than the way a slave master relates to a slave. So just as Christ considered not equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing like one of us, Paul, the Christ follower, lays aside his authority as an apostle and speaks to Philemon instead as a brother, so that Philemon would, in turn, lay aside his rights and positional authority over his slave and welcome Onesimus not as a slave, but as a brother. We see how the gospel is infectious. It is a chain reaction when it is embraced truly and lived out truly. Isn't that a new, refreshing way of doing things? Very often when we, we describe something or someone as being refreshing, what we mean is that they are different in a good way. I just found the way you handled that so refreshing. 
Have you ever heard somebody say something like that? And of course, what they mean is, ah, that was not what I expected, and it was wonderfully so. (laughs) I loved it. And what Paul is asking of Philemon is to live out the gospel in a way that would deviate unexpectedly, dramatically, to be different in a good way from the tired patterns of this world. The Greek word for refresh used in verse 7 and 20 is anapao, which carries the idea of taking a break from something exhausting so that you can regain your strength. For example, it's used in Luke 12, 19 in what uh, linguists would call the middle voice when, he's, when, we, when Jesus says this, telling a parable. He said, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. That word relax, to take a break from your work, is anapao. That's the word, the same word that Paul uses for refresh my heart. Let me take a break. We also find the same word in that very famous line from Jesus when he said, Come to me, all, you, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you a napao, rest. Take a break. Be refreshed. So again, we come back to the idea that we have revisited so often in our study of Philemon, which is that this short little book is, a, is an absolute masterclass on how the gospel ought to be lived out and put on display among God's people, the church. We are sincere from the heart imitators of the one who said, I will give you anapao, I will give you rest. That's fresh, that's that's refreshment, relaxation, a reviving. Fellow Christian, do you believe this morning that the church is called to be a place of refreshment in the midst of a weary world? When you come among God's people, do you experience rest, nurture, understanding, encouragement, a sense of belonging, and something that is different in a good way from what you experience in other contexts in the world? Is that what you personally aspire to be to your brothers and sisters in the church? Uh, The first question is Christianity 101. The next one is (laughs) 2.0. When you say, boy, is this what I'm finding here in the church? That's a good question to ask. But it's a better question. I think it's a question closer to God's heart Is that who I'm being to my brothers and sisters personally? Uh, Both are needed questions and things for us to think about here at State Road. I think any church that exists is going to be somewhere on the spectrum of not doing this perfectly. Uh, But I think that uh, this is something that I have found among God's people from the time I was knee-high to a grasshopper all the way up until this present season in my life. I have found God's people to be refreshing needed, a reviving presence in my life. I hope you're finding that here at State Road as well. There are almost too many passages to cite that speak of the church as a people set apart. Here are just a few examples. We're a people within a people, a distinct people. Romans 12.2 says, "'Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind.'" 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed to the world. Be a people set apart. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I always liked um, uh, how the King James renders that, a, a peculiar people. You know, it's always funny to read in your Bible. John fifteen nineteen says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You're a people set apart, distinct. And in 1 Peter 1, 16, we read this. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Uh, one thing I think to note here as we think about being a, a people set apart and a people who are holy, as God is holy, is just the simple acknowledgement, and it does have to be acknowledged, that church, if it's lived out truly, will not be a refreshing place for everyone. <laughs> the church will not be a refreshing place for a people who do have no particular love for holiness. Quite often, church is a boring place, or church is seen as a place of hypocrites, or something like that. You might find it refreshing to talk with profane people. The church has no monopoly on being refreshing. Human beings are filled with misshapen longings, disordered desires. The things we find refreshing are sometimes quite strange. I think sometimes people find the irreverent musings of a stand-up comedian refreshing, right? Human beings, again, are deeply broken inside. But for people who have been transformed by the Holy Spirit so that they hunger and thirst for righteousness... They are often satisfied and refreshed when they come among people who share that same high regard for God's glory and a shared commitment to live that out in community. Church is a refreshing place if Christ-likeness is the great central aim of your life. And I promise you it will be something other than refreshing if that is not the great central aim of your life. Why is the pastor still talking? <laughs> <laughs> is the musing of such a heart. Or maybe that's the musing of a very righteous person in, as we get close to the end of the sermon. Okay, we'll move on. Holiness, though, what I'm trying to say here, holiness is what demarcates the church. It's what sets us off from the surrounding culture. The very holiness of God, his refreshing otherness, is meant to be on full display here among us in the excellent sacrificial way we love one another, the way we repent of sin, the way we choose and embrace the more excellent way of living in a gospel-shaped way, and we celebrate godliness as a community. Isn't it refreshing when people say no to sin and embrace righteousness, holiness, when we as a community celebrate that, where error is not applauded, but mourned, and truth is held up as such, defended, sometimes at great cost, 
It's a refreshing thing. In his letter to Philemon, Paul is stepping in out of the heat and into the shade of the church. This absolute bulldog of a man, Paul, who, according to 2 Corinthians 11, has received lashes, has been beaten with rods, stoned, three times shipwrecked. The man who has endured untold danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from his own countrymen, danger in foreign lands, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, multiple times imprisoned. This man who has endured toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure... Bearing the burden of the work, fearlessly contesting with false teachers along the way at great personal risk, this man looks to Philemon and he says, can it be different here? Refresh my heart in Christ. Give me a community of kindred spirits where I don't have to fight for every inch of ground, but where we just go, yes, that's the gospel lived out. And I love it too, Paul. Can I have that, Philemon? Can we have that here? I have uh, this week been uh, repurposing Paul's cry, refreshed my heart in Christ as a prayer. (laughs) Do you ever in your mind's eye as you're thinking about fellow Christians in the church and you land upon somebody who's going through something and you just really want them to embrace a, a gospel-shaped way of approaching that problem. Have you, this is a great prayer. I've really enjoyed praying it this week. Oh God, refresh my heart in Christ. <laughs> By the Holy Spirit that lives within my friend, would you guide them to a place of seeing what's closest to your heart and living that out personally? Don't you just hunger for that? In the absence of that, there's much that the Bible says that's a biblical wisdom and helpful advice on how to approach people who have not yet grasped it. And we should always bear with them with a lot of patience. But I just want resonated with Paul's plea to his brother Philemon. Let's just camp out on that as a church family this morning. Paul wants for himself the same refreshment that the church has experienced from Philemon. Philemon has the opportunity to be an answer to prayer to bring rest, relief, renewed vitality to the inner world of this tired old man who was even then in the chains for the gospel. Paul appeals to Philemon with a deep longing in his heart and a weariness in his soul. And he calls for Philemon to act toward him with the same love and generosity that has already refreshed the hearts of so many within the church that meets in his home. How specifically does Paul want Philemon to refresh his heart? By responding favorably to Paul's appeal on behalf of Onesimus, who is, according to Paul in verse 12, his very heart. If Philemon would just welcome Onesimus as he would welcome Paul, and as Christ welcomed all three of them, and if he would just embrace Onesimus not as a slave but as a brother, And if he would no longer count Onesimus' debt against him, and if Philemon would do these things not out of compulsion, but out of his own free will, if he can be led by his desires to behave that way, 
That would be so, so refreshing to Paul. It would put a pep in his step. It would be a shot in the arm. It would help him endure a dark day in prison. There is nothing so refreshing to the heart of a spirit-filled Christian than to see God's people get it and to learn to walk in sincerity as a true-hearted Christ imitator by showing extraordinary love and mercy and kindness to one another and to forgive one another and embrace one another and welcome one another as Christ did for us. When church members extend grace to one another, I think other people in the church take heart. We're all refreshed in the midst of a community that operates on the principles of grace and love as God intends. It's water in the desert. In John 3, 4, another apostle, the apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy. It's refreshing and most certainly different in a good way wherever God's people are found walking in the truth. Of course, there are limits to welcoming. Uh, false teachers, contentious people who sow division, those who claim to be Christians but who deny Christ by embracing sin openly. These things should all be confronted in love. The operative word is welcomed one another as Christ welcomed us. Jesus welcomed us on the basis of our repentance. And when somebody repents, the church should be quick to embrace them and affirm their love for them and to refresh them. I wonder how, in a very practical way, how should we act on what we've heard here this morning? <laughs> what can we do? I, as I thought about being a refreshing person, as I thought about my own personal heartfelt need to feel refreshed among you, God's people, I was left with the question, yeah, but what are we going to do about it? <laughs> It's always the more difficult part of the sermon to write. I can bring us all to a point of agreement, but now what are we going to do? Uh, I thought of Paul's own words to Philemon. He's not overly prescriptive. Uh, he says, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. And I think... I think rather than landing on a few very practical ways you might be able to move, I'm just going to leave it up to the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit going to do with this in your own minds? How's he going to lead you this week? And I'm confident that you will do even more than anything I would have said if I had tried to say it. I, I would say this, though. I think part of it is going to be studying one another. Some of you have heard Gary Chapman and his five love languages. I think it's uh, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch. There may be no one right way to be refreshing to somebody among God's people. Um, but just as the Spirit brings somebody to your mind this week that you might seek to be a blessing and a help to, to refresh them. It might involve answering their prayer. <laughs> Maybe if you're somebody and the Holy Spirit brings you along and somebody's been trying to influence you in a direction towards holiness and you've been resisting it, maybe the best way this week is just to let them know, hey, 
I've repented of that thing, and I've, I'm moving on from that. Thank you for your advice. I'm going to do that. that would, I mean, I think nothing would have put a skip in Paul's step than Philemon writing and saying that. But maybe there's other ways. I just, again, leave it up to your imagination. Uh, let me pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, God, that we have the church as this gift. And God, I have certainly, over the course of my years, living among God's people, have on so many occasions and in so many surprising ways been refreshed, where I have seen a needed example, where I have been the recipient of unmerited kindness. God, where I have found friends and a community of like-minded, kindred spirits who just love you and want to help one another become more like you. Father, it is good to be in the church and to have one another. Father, I pray that you would make State Road more and more into a place that is just a refreshing place to be. A place where the obvious love for holiness and righteousness for who you are, God, is present in the way we live together. God, I pray that you would make of State Road a place where the gospel is lived out in sincerity. Father, I pray that you would just pour us out as water in the midst of this desert time. That many would be refreshed as they come here among us. God, I thank you for the church and I thank you for our Lord Jesus who is at the head of it all and from whom we take all things and seek to emulate. God, we love you. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.